You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin's dad. And I'm Michael. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very uh, unique episode of the Lutheran Ladies Lounge because we let boys in today. <gasps> <gasps> But we have a really good reason for doing that uh, because we're celebrating Father's Day today and we couldn't sit around as four women and talk about Father's Day without actually having some fathers in the ladies lounge with us since that's kind of the whole point is to, you know, talk to dads. So today is our special Father's Day episode. We are celebrating all things fatherhood, which is why Aaron's dad is joining us and which is why we have a super fan of the Lutheran Ladies Lounge joining us. So Aaron, uh, take it away, introduce our guests and... Uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Well, after doing our Mother's Day episode, we thought it's coming up on on Father's Day and we thought, well, maybe maybe we should actually have some men in and we're like, well, what men would we want? And I'm like, well, my dad loves the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> we all know it. And as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, who indeed who else loves the Lutheran Ladies Lounge, but my friend Michael Granis. Uh, so I'll start with my dad. because Yeah, he's, <laughs> and he's related to me. So my dad is Tony Alter. He is a retired pastor, and he is a classic um, dad, dad jokester in that Let's be honest, no one laughs harder at his jokes than he does. <laughs> Maybe if we have guests over, sometimes they do. That's true. Guests. He revels in having guests. So he has fresh he can he can bust out all of his best jokes again. <laughs> Both of them. Yeah. <laughs> So early on, when we set up the Facebook group, I ended up having to decline requests for membership from both my dad and Michael more than once. (laughs) (laughs) I was starting an online protest. Michael and I go way back. He, he and I were missionaries together in Japan, and we have been we've been friends since then. So Michael's also a pastor. He is a pastor in Michigan. Yeah, and yeah, I thought of him also for this episode because I really remember when Michael was first when he and his wife Christy were first expecting their first baby he was super nervous he did not want it to be a girl (laughs) it's true Michael yeah tell tell us more what I mean I know you didn't end up having a, a daughter for your first child but tell tell us more about about that what was your what was your rationale and then what was it like for you once you did, once you did finally become the father of a daughter? Yes. Well, the simplest way of saying it is I was terrified, not so much of having a daughter, but of having a world full of teenage boys to have to worry about <laughs> one day. That is a fair and, worry. <laughs> yes. And so 
I simply, I, I wanted at least one boy first to, to help me so that, uh, you know, God forbid I would have to end up in jail for hurting some boy down the road. Um, <laughs> simply put, um, so our first child, uh, we did not find out if we were having a boy or a girl. So I was surprised in the delivery room uh, with the birth of our son, Micaiah, who is now uh, 13 years old. And while we were expecting our second, um, I had much the same feeling. I said, I, I don't think I'm ready for a girl yet. I, I, I'm afraid that we're going to have a girl and I won't be ready for all that entails down the road. And uh, I was convinced that we were having a daughter and had had uh, gotten myself ready for that. And we also did not find out with our second if we were having a boy or a girl. And so there in the delivery room, our second child was born, another son, Tovin. And literally the first thought out of my uh, mind when I saw that he was indeed a boy, was I'm ready for a daughter. And uh, the next three children that we had were daughters. The next three children we had are daughters. So uh, Kina, Eliana, and Delora are my uh, beautiful, wonderful daughters. And uh, well, Kina is the eldest of the three. She's nine, so I haven't quite had to deal with those teenage boys yet, but I have two older brothers uh, for her to to help me uh, along with that. Nice. Older brothers are great, by the way. Speaking from experience, I have two older brothers, and they definitely uh, were very protective of me when I was entering my teenage years. I have some stories about that that I won't share. (laughs) (laughs) So let me get this straight. Uh, What you're saying is you were so terrified of having to deal with teenage boys for your daughters that you have now unleashed a teenage boy upon the world? As the mother of teenage daughters, I'm concerned here. <laughs> I, well, see, as 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 the father of these teenage and soon to be teenage boys, um, I I can control just a few, but having a whole world full of teenage boys to, to deal with is, is another story. Fair enough. Okay, so Aaron's dad. What about yeah. you? <laughs> I want to know your story about Aaron. <laughs> oh, Aaron. Aaron. Our, our story on the air, we didn't know if we were going to have a boy or a girl. We, uh, we, it was before that technology was readily available. So we were prepared either way, but we had the same name picked out either way. She was going to be Aaron, no matter what. <laughs> that we is were fantastic. Make it Aaron or Aaron. And, and <laughs> so that's why she's she. And, and it worked out really well. Uh, then, then we decided to try it again. And so we had another girl and, we decided to try it again, and 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 I told everybody, you know, we decided to try it one last time, and we had a boy, uh, and they've been great. I, I I can't really say that I'm more anxious about girls or boys, although I suppose at the start, like Michael, I probably was more anxious about the idea of girls. But hey, they're tough. I'm not too worried. <laughs> yes, tough is a good word. Good job, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> She's one of our resident oldest children, too, which uh, works out quite well when there's a nice mix of us in the lounge. That's right. Correct. Well, I'm the youngest child, but I am 
the, 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 the firstborn male. So it kind of counts both ways. I can, I can either be the baby of the family or the firstborn male. So, okay. Dad, I'm curious for, for you, your, your parents divorced when you were a kid. Um, and, and your mom was your, your primary parent who raised you, your mom and your grandmother. So what, what stands out for you growing up in that context? It was a, it was a, it was really difficult in a lot of ways. Now I know that, that actually you never knew my, my, my father or, or have much background. So you probably don't even have all the facts straight in your head, but. Uh, they did divorce, but not until I was like 18. Oh, so I was yeah. not, I was not a little kid. Right. Uh, but the fact is, gosh, and I know this is the sort of a show where you probably don't want to have people say controversial things. I think they probably <laughs> should have divorced a lot before that. <laughs> they were not a happy couple. They were, they were no. conflicted and it was an unhappy household. And my memories of, of fatherhood were not very fulfilled through my father. I, I actually relied a lot more on my my pastors and my teachers for father figures than I did for my dad. Okay. Michael, what about you? Well, um, my, my upbringing was also not necessarily, well, was, well, I didn't know my father really. I met him only twice growing up, once when I was seven and once when I was 10 and never had any uh, connection with his side of the family. I did, however, have um, what I uh, affectionately referred to as a stepfather figure. My, my stepdad, Kevin, um, he and my mom have been uh, an item since I was young, uh, but they actually didn't get married until a couple of months after my wife and I got married. So for 19 years growing up, um, they were not, uh, they were not officially, uh, together in that sense. Although I do have two younger siblings, uh, by him. So I too, uh, much like Aaron's dad, um, I did look to, um, some of my Lutheran school teachers, my, uh, fifth and sixth grade teachers were both males and, and, uh, very positive influences in my life. Um, also, uh, when I was in youth group and confirmation, my DCE, uh, Jim Anderson at St. Michael's uh, Lutheran Church in Bloomington, Minnesota, he, uh, uh, he was a very influential person uh, in my faith life and uh, as well as my pastor there, um, Pastor Chris Dodge. So then what, what role did the congregation play then in your upbringing uh, men and women, in order to help shape you into the the man, the pastor, the the father that you are now. So I grew up. Um, I was born in Minnesota, but we we moved to Los Angeles when I was about four years old, and uh, that's where I also went to Lutheran uh, grade school from second through sixth grade. You know, so I was at the church. You know, six out of seven days of the week, most of the time, and felt very much at home there. Um, had my teachers uh, there as not only teachers but congregation members and and you know some of my friends were were uh, children of of my teachers and so I, I just I had a very uh, pleasant experience in my younger years uh, growing up you know I was I was the oddball um, elementary 
age kid who, if my friends who went to other churches or didn't go to church um, had something they wanted to do on a Sunday morning, I'd wake up extra early and go to early service on my own so I could uh, go get together with my friends afterwards. So, <laughs> you know, I just, I felt very comfortable at home uh, or at, at church uh, essentially as a second home. That's awesome. All right, Tony, what about you? I I think it's just too varied to try to surround it a whole lot, but, but both the female and male teachers, I think probably gave me extra attention just from knowing that I had a, a, a perhaps some needs there that they, they paid more attention to me than probably I deserved. And part of it was because I probably did things to attract that attention too, that weren't necessarily <laughs> always wholesome. But, uh, but my pastors in particular, they just seemed to, I, I, I recall them, I recall, I recall responding to their messages as one of, of, of that's, that's kind of what a father's supposed to sound like. And I knew that, even though I didn't hear that necessarily a lot at home, I knew that's what it was. And I, 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 I think I kind of strove to imitate it, kind of be like that, you know, be a, a gospel person, be a caring person, be a supportive person, you know, and, and it, it was a, a really good thing for me. I, I really am the only, well, actually, from my generation back, I'm the only Lutheran in my family. I got sent to a Lutheran grade school because it was just like literally around the corner. I didn't have to cross the street to get there. And so it's just convenient. And that's where I learned the faith. And that's where I came into the church. And it's uh, it's been a, a, a big factor in my life, to be sure. I think wow. it's so cool to think about. I mean, we talk about, you know, the cycle of, of violence or the cycle of trauma in within family units and how difficult it can be for people who are growing up in not great uh, environments or not traditional environments um, or not ideal environments. And yet here we have the church and the people in it and the pastors who play such a role in the community in, in helping shape these both young women and men to despite whatever environment they're growing up in to, to be people of faith. And so I think that's one of the things that we often, well, maybe not we, but I often don't put much thought into is that that really having that kind of a presence, having that kind of a quote unquote father figure is really important. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't have somebody to model after, it's awfully hard to learn anything i mean you can't you need somebody to show you to play a violin you can't just well maybe some people could pick one up and play it <laughs> not me you know I, I need i need models to learn stuff like that and that's the church was just vitally important for that for me i have a follow-up question sort of on, on the same topic but keeping in mind that this podcast goes out to lutheran women who are, are not fathers <laughs> how can women in the church help fathers and young men who are going to be fathers? How can we encourage? How can we celebrate? What are some concrete things that we can, so much of this is out of our hands. Uh, because as you say, you got to learn how to be a father from a father. Ideally, this is where you get it. But is there, are there things that church ladies can do 
to sort of, uh, you know, nurture that, that process and that growth? I, I'm not sure that I can give any sort of a real step-by-step instruction book on it. That's, that's <laughs> not what you're looking for either, though. I think it's more just kind of the idea. I really think that by design, much like, and this is an important factor in our, our faith background, but, but that God wants men to be pastors, okay? And he does, that's, that's his design. But, you know, even as Luther said himself, if, if men won't do it, well, then we're going to have to fill the pulpits with women. Well, that's true. But the same thing is true in families. God wants men to be the spiritual leaders of families. But if the men won't do it, then the women have to. And the women has to, they have to step up and they have to do what they have to do and, and, and fill in. I, it's certainly not the way it's designed to be. But it's just sometimes that's the only choice, uh, and so yeah, maybe maybe they're trying to to play a violin without a model too because they never were fathers and weren't trained to be fathers. But they're adults and they're people of faith, and they can still have a a, a good Christian influence. It just won't necessarily be as designed. Well, I should say, um, as far back as I can remember, I remember you know being two, three years old and uh, dreaming of being a father. You know, I, it was something that was always, um, you know, that's always what I wanted uh, in my life. I always saw myself as getting married and having kids and, and being a father. And um, I didn't always see myself as a pastor. (laughs) Um, That kind of God, God led me uh, toward that uh, step-by-step probably sooner than I realized um, but, uh, but I know that, you know, when, when Christy and I, you know, even though I was petrified of the idea of having, having a daughter, I was, I was so thrilled, uh, that I was going to be a father finally, you know, just again, uh, coming together as husband and wife and, uh, praying and singing over, um, our children and, uh, reading, words of faith, reading the scriptures, uh, to them, uh, you know, the, these are, these are important things and it, it is important as, um, you know, as a father that I lead my kids in that, um, you know, it's a joy for me to, to go through the catechism with them and, and to realize that, that my younger children who can't read yet are memorizing, uh, these things as well. And, um, that you know these you know the the songs and the hymns and and the liturgy and 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 these things that we do both inside the house and inside the church and and on the road you know as we're driving here and there that that these are being uh sown into the hearts of my children and um you know i didn't have a great example um of you know a father in in the home uh, for me personally, but, you know, I pray that, that my children will say quite the opposite, that they had a, a wonderful father and wonderful example of what a man of God uh, should be. And certainly I'm not perfect, but uh, I love my children and they know it. I love the Lord and they know it. And I'm raising them uh, to love the Lord as well. Oh man, such big, such a big smile on my face, and I think everybody <laughs> else's 
space to say that. Thank uh-huh. you, Michael. Tony, going back a little bit to what you said um, about God's design and about how the, the the practical realities of our world sometimes subvert that, uh, that really hits home for me. As we record this, my husband is deployed on an aircraft carrier and has been since January. And so I've had to be mother and father to my children for the last several months. And I can tell you, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Um, Yeah. But one thing that maybe, and I know that you, I, I so appreciate your support for women in my situation who have to sort of step up into roles that we weren't necessarily designed for um, when situations demand it. But maybe one thing that we can take away, I can take away from this is a willingness to uh, having acknowledged this truth, reality of life, that when he comes back in way too many weeks still ahead, um, that I can be ready to just say, all right, I'm done. I don't need to be the dad anymore. You're back. <laughs> and that, that maybe has parallels for the church as well. That even, even when situations demand that, that women step up into a, a father type role, that, that maybe we'd be ready to step out of those as soon as we can afterwards. <laughs> I think that's a very valuable observation. I would, and I don't think at all that this is what you're thinking, but I would want anyone to, to hear, to, to realize that I'm not intending by that that the the mother gives up discipline because the father's home now he can be the bad guy. That's not <laughs> the and, and the mom doesn't give up discipline, but it the roles just shift so tremendously when you have them both there, as opposed to when there's just one there. I I remember when I started being out of the pew more and up in front of the church more. Our kids. I can remember them being absolutely devastated by by having seen their mom. Not only would she correct them, she would correct the kids in the pew in front of us when they went up to community. It's like, oh no! (laughs) That says a lot about you, Aaron. I'm not going to lie. You learn by what you see, Bree. You learn by what you see. That's true. That's I have correct. to say, Aaron corrected me a number of times in Japan. So, <laughs> so I do have I do have another question here pertaining to the pastoral office and sort of um, your upbringing. Um, it it sounds like neither of you necessarily had the um, traditional growing up that we all think is the norm quote-unquote. Tony, it sounds like you're a first-generation Lutheran. What was what was your defining moment, not necessarily becoming a Lutheran, but what was your defining moment in realizing that the pastoral ministry is where you wanted to spend your career? I, I cannot attribute to why it sticks out for me, but I, I do have an image in my mind of a, a particular moment. I was, I've always loved to sing and, and and as many pastors, I, I'm, I'm known for singing vociferously. Uh, I'm loud when I sing. Uh, not necessarily good, but loud. My mother was really strong. good. I'm strong. That's right. But I, I always tried to imitate. And, and I would. I, I remember one afternoon, I mentioned I, I, we were really close to the church and school. I, I had gone into the church when nobody else was there. I didn't think there was anybody else that was there. And I went up and went on the balcony 
and was singing a hymn. I was actually singing Rock of Ages, and I was rocking it. But the pastor was there, and he came in, and, and he observed me, and then he, he talked to me after it. He wasn't, I wasn't in trouble for having done it, and I think I really thought I was going to be because I got caught. But he was very supportive and encouraging, and he really, he really thought that I should consider going into something where I could lead worship. He thought that would be a really good thing. It's kind of stuck with me. I never knew that story. There are several more stories you don't know that I'm not going to tell you today. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Question for Aaron. What was it like growing up with the Reverend Tony Alter as your father? (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, it was, was he's he's a great dad. And... He is one that I don't know. Even now, I'm. He's the one that I'll often go to to talk through a a tricky problem that I'm working on. So if it was in high school, it would be the one I would go to because I've managed to lose my entire paper at 1 a.m. and I'm like, it's got to be on there somewhere, Dad. <laughs> You will help me find it. Or, you know, now if I've got a tricky situation at work that I will often want to talk talk through that with. He's also one that will frequently embarrass me, but in the nicest ways. So uh, there's never <laughs> bitterness about it. <laughs> but there is still embarrassment. <laughs> um, yeah. As there should be in any good father-daughter relationship. Oh yes. (laughs) No, he's a he's a he's a great dad, Um, and and like what Michael was saying about what he wants his kids to be able to say about him, I was like, that's what I can say about my dad. He loves the (laughs) Lord. He loves me, and I know it, and I am absolutely sure of it. Well, I think you are you are correct, Darren. Thank you very much for observing that. I really do love you. <laughs> I perhaps haven't always liked you. But I've always loved you. Fair, fair. <laughs> I think one thing that uh, whenever we whenever Father's Day comes up and you know, we all reflect about the dads and father figures, one thing is uh as a as a well, girl slash woman, you know, that a dad is that role model of what a godly man should be in your life. Um, as you grow up and maybe get married one day, you know, your your dad is is that first that first role model of of what a, a godly man should be to you as as a man of faith. And and so they a dad plays such an important role in that. And my dad was, you know, growing up and I don't, I maybe didn't always appreciate it, you know, as kids do. Um, I wanted to buck the system, you know, uh, I was, maybe I was a little rebellious. Uh, I'm sure he has stories. (laughs) Um, But uh, Michael, how do you see, you know, as a girl dad, hashtag girl dad, uh, how do you see yourself as a role model for your girls, um, as they grow up into young women, especially with, with those fears that you talked about uh, dealing with teenage boys, how do you see yourself as a role model for your girls? You know, I know, you know, different families have different uh, uh, 
levels of, of, of closeness and, 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 you know, physical intimacy and, and whatnot. I grew up in a very, very huggy family. Um, and, um, love, you know, love to be close uh, to my kids, love to be close to, um, you know, my friends, my family. Um, and, you know, with my daughters, you know, hugging and, and, and cuddling and, and, you know, story time and, and, and all of that is, is really, really important, um, you know, cherished time together, especially as they're still, uh, still young, you know, able to, you know, curl up on my lap and, and whatnot, and just making sure that I am able to, um, put the time aside that's needed to, to just spend that quality time with, with them. Um, my daughter, Eliana, um, she's my seven year old, um, you know, she's been asking me a lot if we could just you know, sit down and color together. And um, it's been a particularly uh, busy time, especially with the whole COVID thing and, and um, trying to reopen, um, you know, have our services gathering again uh, in person and, you know, felt guilty because there were two or three days where I had to say, you know, I can't right now because I have to go in and I have to work right now. But we will do it and and I will come back and we will sit down and we'll color together. And we got, you know, we got a little uh, time uh, just the other day. And it was, you know, it wasn't, you know, to me, it, it wasn't necessarily the most important thing in the world that I sit down and, and, and color in, in a coloring book. Uh, but it was important that I sit down with my daughter and, and spend time with her doing something uh, that, she loves and and makes her feel loved by me. And that's, it is as much as it doesn't feel important to you necessarily that like down the line, your kid's going to look back on that and be like, that, that is the most important thing you can do. I feel like as, Mm -hmm. as a father is to make good on promises, no matter how innocuous it might be, but just, promising your presence somewhere is is so i think is so key for girls growing up well there's that i agree i agree very much the other thing that strikes me and that i observed and i'm i'm feel really confident that this is true also in michael's house is seeing my parents interact and be in love with each other is also a really pretty great role model. My parents have always, <laughs> they've always been visibly in love with each other. <laughs> They're always kissing each other, go to buy. It's like my mom's going out for a walk. I'll kiss you goodbye. Uh, like she's not going to see him for, you know, 20 minutes. Let me just kiss goodbye before I go. <laughs> um, I think she's so- not always sure I'm going to be here when she comes back. I think that's what it is. seeing that is i think also a really great great role model of that's that's what that's what husbands should look like and that's how Mm -hmm. that that relationship and to be able to see that and understand that is is a really good thing too you know I, i love the idea of my girls you know and my my boys for that matter as well seeing me and their mother 
kissing more than they see, you know, whoever on TV, you know, um, mm -hmm. knowing that, that we are the model of what a good relationship looks like is, is important. Yes, very much. So what I really, one thing I really loved and that really stuck out to me in your story of, of keeping your promise and coloring with your daughter is that that is what a good father-child relationship is based on, is the little moments. And as we are undergoing, you know, a time without the father in our life, it's it, it brings into stark relief the things that you miss. And it's not the big stuff. It's not the big adventures, the, the big outings and all the fancy stuff. It's the little stuff. It's the coloring with. It's the... It's the sitting down to dinner with playing a board game with it's the dad jokes that we miss like yeah, that's what I'm talking I, can, about. I can tell a dad joke but it doesn't come out right <laughs> it's not the same <laughs> it's not the same he's got this set of jokes that they just know to expect and they laugh politely or whatever every time and those are the those are the little memories that really you know they stay with you and you miss them uh, when you can't get at them. So thank you for the little memories, gentlemen. <laughs> well, it, you know, I would like to, at least it seems to me to be maybe somehow at least tangentially related, but the stuff that would, when it's not modeled correctly at home, I think the kids can still really learn a lot from that and can become well-equipped and well-prepared for life later, not because they saw it done right, but because they were able to see that that's not right. And to give you tools to use later, I, you know, growing up in a, in a, a household that had a alcoholism, I think has made me very sensitive to dealing with people that wrestle with alcoholism that I wouldn't have had that without it. And it was a, it was a, it becomes a plus if the Lord allows you the spirit to see that. I was going to say something else, but I want to reply to or comment on what Tony just said, because you know, again, I, I think that that very much is true. You know, there were, I've always wanted to be a father, but I didn't always have uh, good fatherly examples. And yet, exactly what Tony was saying, just this being able to to take the the negative example or the lack thereof and and turn it around into this is what is, uh, what was missing, or this was what was wrong. And I want to rectify that in my own household. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely resonate with that. Um, the other thing I was going to say was, you know, just as a father, both, both, uh, to my daughters and my boys, um, I think I'm very, very intentional about them being respectful to their mother. Um, you know, respect toward me is, is very important to me, but also respect toward their mother is, is very important and not letting them, you know, not letting them get away with, with, you know, disrespecting or dis disobeying her, um, you know, calling them out on it um, and, and doing it in a firm way, but, but also a loving way as well. I don't know that this would be a, a memorable moment for Aaron, but I've, I'm really not as 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 short-sighted as this will make me sound, but it, it, it was a real event. But I remember once in particular that Aaron 
came home in high school with a report card where she had literally all A's, but one A minus. Guess what I talked about? Aaron. Guess what I (laughs) talked about? I talked about that A minus. Why why was that? You know, and it's just so sad that I had to apologize for it later once I realized what I had done. And it maybe didn't make that big of a difference to her, but I, I don't, my intentions were good. And I was really intending to motivate her to excel. But in doing so, it's like I just missed this great opportunity to celebrate. Mm. And there you go. I will assure you, it caused me no lasting damage, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she turned out okay. Oh, yeah. I, yes, I must have forgiven you and and let it let it go. It's there's no lasting bitterness there. Oh, I'm so glad we had this discussion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so one thing that I know Bree was really anxious to do when we decided we were gonna do this episode. She wanted to actually do a little bit of dad joke time. So, three. Dad joke battle! (laughs) (laughs) It's actually probably going to be more of a joke swap. I don't want this to be a competition. (laughs) (laughs) Because you know that you would get owned by Tony. That's why. Smoked like a turkey. Absolutely. <laughs> so I guess I have a couple. I if Michael, I don't really know if you're into that kind of a thing. I I feel like all dads have to be, but <laughs> if you want to that's break right. What self-respecting dad it. isn't into dad jokes? <laughs> exactly. So I think we could just go around, like do do a couple rounds, share some share some jokes that we've got, and then we can wrap it up. I think that that. Puts nice little bow on it i would love for you for the presidents of our fan club to indulge me in a little dad joke off what do you think uh i'm i know i'm going to lose but i'll 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 start out okay do it all right knock knock who's there owls owls who Yes, they do. <laughs> I fell right into that one. <laughs> You're up, Tony. Uh, I don't. I, I actually, I don't have much of a repertoire of scripted jokes. I do mind maybe just responding to speech and stuff, and kind of interacting with people. But if I was going to do one, knock knock reminded me of it, and it's not as if it's new, but it's my very favorite ever. Knock knock. Who's there? Impatient cow. Impatient. Cow. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I wasn't going to do one, but now I have to do one. Do it. Because Ken and I got so tired of that joke. In our case, it's the interrupting cow. But we got so tired of that joke that we made up the only knock-knock joke I've ever made up in my life. And so either one of us can pull this one out. This is a choir nerd joke for you, Sarah. Knock-knock. Who's there? Antiphonal owl. Antiphonal owl. Who? 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 I love it. I love it so much. Oh, 
Tony, you can write this one down. I, I, we may be ruining the reputation of this whole program. It's <laughs> a pen out. You can write this one down. What's brown and sticky? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> a stick. A stick. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you got, you got any, Michael, you got any more? I, I could go. I could go another round. You want to go another round? You got any more? Oh, I, I'm not good at thinking of things on the fly. <sighs> yeah, see, that's that's the thing. Many dads, they they don't do them on command. In fact, they often don't do well on command. They do them when they are least desired. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. For delivery of a dad joke. Um, when you want one, you're not going to get one. It's when you exactly. are particularly fishing for one that they will come out of the woodwork. I'm going to share one that you guys can add to your repertoire. You can ha- you can take the stick one, but here's another one for you. What's blue and smells like red paint? Blue and smells like red paint. Blue paint. That's right! <laughs> This is the best episode we've ever taped. Oh man! Oh man! Uh, Oh man! Okay, I think we've had enough fun for one episode, maybe. (laughs) Although I'm not convinced. (laughs) Um. But what, let's do some final parting words. Uh, Michael, do you have any final, I don't know, words of advice or encouragement or things you want your daughters to know or women in your congregation to know before we wrap this episode up? Well, um, earlier talking about uh, good dad modeling, um, I think beyond um, showing love for your children, be, beyond uh, showing love for your wife, um, also modeling, um, what it means to be, um, repentant, you know, what it means to, to say, I'm sorry. And especially, I think it's very powerful when fathers uh, and mothers go to their children and apologize. Um, you know, I remember in my own life, uh, when my mother would apologize for, for things and, you know, maybe they were big things, maybe they were little things, but, you know, as Christians, you know, this is, this is who we are. We're people of confession. We're people of forgiveness. And uh, it's hard to uh, model forgiveness if you don't uh, model confession as well. That is golden advice. Fantastic. Tony, what about you? Best advice I, I would have to, to take with you as, 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 as a wife looking for, for ways to support a husband being a good father is to, in, in spite sometimes of it being difficult, just respect the heck out of him. Treat him like he, like he is a good father and respect the things and his efforts to try so that he doesn't kind of give up on it. Uh, mighty strong men can, can quit sometimes if they just feel like they can't succeed. Uh, so make them mm. think they can. Great advice. Also very hard advice. Very hard advice. Very yeah. hard advice, but that's what we got you on for is to there tell us go. the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's true. 
It has been super great having guys in the ladies' lounge. We might not do this for another year, but that's okay. <laughs> it's a special occasion. <laughs> Can I give a shout out to all of my children? Yeah. Go for it. So I love all of my children, Micaiah, Tovin, Kina, Eliana, Alora, Teshua, Joa, and Jariah. Yes. Awesome. We love them too. Yeah. <laughs> Good <Thank> job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can find all of our great episodes like this one, except minus the boys, at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your podcasting app. Uh, we want to know your stories about your dads, uh, your grateful uh, things about your dads or the father figures in your life, maybe your pastor, teachers, DCEs, uh, any of those guys. We want to we want to hear those stories and your your shout outs to those dads in your life. Find all of that. Share your stories on the Facebook group, Lutheran Ladies Lounge on Facebook. Yeah, those of you that are allowed. <laughs> That's true. If you're a guy listening to this, you can't do that. Sorry. <laughs> You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge Podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Aaron. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. I'm Aaron's dad. And I'm Michael. <laughs> Happy Father's Day! Oh, no. Happy Father's Day. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge Podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge.